recording. All right, here we go. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, got the uh, usual midweek fair here a little bit early to get to uh, start pitchers uh, right in the smack middle of the week here. Uh, so basically just going to catch up on what's happened in the early portion of the week. Have yet another Aaron Judge update for you. Uh, we have a, uh, I'm not going to say September call because I think he got called up at the end of August, but a, a late season call up uh, who's already done for the season. Uh, I've got a very special guest uh, coming on, Darius Austin from Baseball Prospectus. Had him on the show uh, much, much earlier in the season. We're both in the same uh, great fancy baseball invitational league. Uh, so he's uh, frankly been uh, doing quite a bit better than me in that league this year, but so have a lot of people, uh, but uh, not to dwell on that. Uh, he's got uh, a lot of uh, good insight for us. Going to uh, ask him about a couple of players that have sort of puzzled me, but I think that he, maybe he's got a beat on and uh, you know, not that we're getting into the last couple of weeks of the season. Uh, maybe Darius uh, has some, some lessons learned for us. So looking forward to that conversation with Darius Austin. Uh, so anyways, let's get right to it. That Aaron Judge update. Now, the last uh, show that I had here on Monday, uh, it was not yet known when he was going to take batting practice. He had done some indoor batting practice, hadn't taken down the field yet. Well, he took care of that on Monday, and he is scheduled to take another batting practice session uh, today, which is Wednesday. So still no timetable for Judge. Uh, according to MLB.com, Aaron Boone hopes that uh, Judge can make a lot of progress through the end of this week and over the weekend. Uh, but they still are not at least um, projecting any sort of return date for Judge. And obviously, for fantasy purposes, and particularly for those of us in weekly leagues, uh, time is running out here because if there's not pretty substantial progress over the rest of this week, I don't think we can count on Aaron Judge for next week, and then we're down to our last week. So uh, we will nonetheless uh, keep tabs on that because even one week of Aaron Judge uh, would be helpful for uh, for the championship week. Uh, we do have the return of Josh Donaldson. Finally, that was uh, indeterminate at the time of the last show, and then very shortly thereafter, the Blue Jays announced that they were going to activate him. Donaldson was activated on Tuesday. Uh, his uh, did I say Blue Jays? My apologies. The Indians. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said Blue Jays. The Indians activated, and in Donaldson's first game as an Indian. He went hitless, went 0 for 4 against the Rays. But uh, there's really two elements to this story because Donaldson, first of all, just there's the issue of when was he going to be back, but also the related sort of collateral issue of how were the Indians going to work him into the lineup? Uh, Because that was something, you know, before Donaldson got traded that I was very skeptical about. The Indians kept coming up as top suitors, and I thought, well, where, where are they going to fit him in? So the way they've done this is probably the most obvious way. They shifted Jose Ramirez to second base, and Jason Kipnis from second to center field, 
and Greg Allen was on the bench for Tuesday's game. However, uh, Donaldson not in the lineup on Wednesday. So really a couple takeaways here, which is, first of all, that we do have that alignment, that when Donaldson's in the lineup, uh, we, we have the alignment that really makes the most sense. In spite of the fact, by the way, that there were reports that the Indians, uh, uh, Terry Francona, was not going to do that uh, and shift Jose Ramirez and, and Jason Kipnis. So those reports turned out to be wrong. Uh, but then the fact that Donaldson's not in the starting lineup for Wednesday would suggest that uh, they'll, they'll probably uh, ease him back maybe a little slowly, which would make sense. Uh, I'm sure they're looking towards the postseason uh, and just want to make sure that Donaldson's healthy. So, uh, you, you know, we don't have a weekly lineup decision to make for another five days. Uh, but I think if you did sit him this week, which was what I was basically recommending, uh, I think that probably is going to wind up being uh, the, the best move. Uh, just because, uh, you know, first of all, there's the question of, is he going to be, or is he already at a hundred percent and how much is he really going to play? So maybe not expect so much from Josh Donaldson the next few days, but we have enough time now to see, uh, whether or not he'll be viable for next week. I would guess that he will be, but, uh, we shall see both again in terms of playing time. And in terms of uh, performance, actual performance. Uh, so I mentioned at the very top of the show here that we had a recent uh, prospect call up. Uh, one of the, I think, one of the more exciting ones, really, and that is um, uh, Luis Urias, and he injured his hamstring on Tuesday, and now uh, Andy Green has told MLB.com that he does not expect that Urias is going to play again. Uh, this season so you know again and what's sort of a uh, uh you know uh, uh underwhelming group of of september call-ups that's that's some disappointing news right there um so that's that's a, that's unfortunate uh by the way this is um not really this was something i was going to bring up a little bit later in the show but since it, it sort of segues nicely here Uh, I saw a piece in The Athletic just earlier today uh, that said that the Pirates are going to shut down Kayona Kayla. And I realized maybe it's not that smooth of a segue, but uh, it's not that Kayla is hurt. It's just the Pirates, again, they're looking ahead to next season. They want Kayla to be uh, the setup uh, reliever, just like he's been since they acquired him from the Rangers. And so... You know, I, I'm putting these two things together, the, the shutdown of Urias and the apparent shutdown, although it's not official yet, of uh, Keo Nikela, because we're probably going to see more of these sorts of moves in the next week or two. So this is just going to increase the difficulty level of our, um, you know, of our lineup setting. Again, particularly in weekly leagues, when we have to, you know, sort of guess what might happen two or three or four days uh, from now. So, uh Anyways, that is the deal uh, as far as those two those two players go. Got a number of uh, pitcher updates here. Uh, Sean Manaya, uh, as has been expected for a, a while now, uh, he's not only out for this season, but the, the update here, according to MLB.com, is that because of the shoulder surgery that he's going to have, Sean Manaya is not only going to be out for the rest of what's left of 2018, he's probably going to miss all of 2019 as well. So uh, just... Uh, you know, in terms of a potential impact, I dropped him earlier today from uh, a dynasty format, from a dynasty league. 
Uh, now it's it's one where there's salary, so that was part of the uh, part of the calculation for me too. I'm not saying that uh, everybody in in any sort of format. Obviously, in redraft leagues, it's very safe to drop Shamanaya. But even in a dynasty format, depending on maybe what you're having to sacrifice to keep him on on your roster, whether it's a keeper limitation or whether it's a salary cap issue, it is something now that I think uh, you, you have to investigate. Uh, you know, in the, if maybe not right away, but certainly uh, during the off season. Uh, Marcus Stroman may be shut down for the rest of the year. In fact, uh, according to Sportsnet, John Gibbons says that Stroman probably will not pitch again this year. So again, sort of like the Kayla situation, not 100%, but it certainly sounds like Stroman is done for 2018. And unlike Kayla, this is a health issue, Stroman dealing with the blisters uh, or a blister. Uh, And so, yep, probably we've seen the last of uh, Marcus Stroman this season. Alex Cobb, now it was initially reported he had a blister as well. He left uh, last night's start after just two innings, which was unfortunate for him and the Orioles and people like me who actually used Alex Cobb in fantasy. But um, Cobb himself says it's not a blister. It's a cut, and maybe it's maybe it's both. Maybe it's a cut that developed from a blister. I don't know, but Cobb says it's a cut. Whatever it is, it's bad enough that Cobb does not know if he's going to be able to make his next start. He's not even sure when he's going to be able to pitch again. Uh, that according to the Baltimore Sun. According to the Houston Chronicle, Lance McCullers uh, threw a 40-pitch bullpen session and also faced a simulated hitter. And uh, still no timetable for McCullers, but at least it's, you know, sounds like he's trying to get in uh, an appearance or two before the end of the season. I think that easily or maybe even likely could be a relief appearance. But uh, McCullers is another one we'll, we'll need to keep our eyes on for the next week or two, sort of like uh, like Aaron Judge. Maybe a little bit of last week help, maybe not. We shall see. And if you were counting on Corey Kluber this weekend, don't bother uh, because Terry Francona has announced his uh, probable pitchers for the weekend series, and uh, Kluber has been pushed back. Uh, Shane Bieber, who was sensational on Tuesday, will get a start on Sunday, uh, and Kluber uh, will be pushed back. Not a health issue for him, but rather just to better line him up uh, for the playoff rotation. So already now we're seeing, in addition to health issues and uh, workload management and all that, now we got starting pitchers who might be uh, moved around uh, due to considerations for the postseason. all that fun stuff. Uh, is coming into play right now. Uh, according to Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times, Gene Segura is dealing with a uh, bug or a virus that's been making its way around the Mariners clubhouse. So that's not great. Uh, but again, uh, particularly for daily lineup leagues, that's something to keep tabs on. Last night, uh, that's Tuesday night, uh, Johan Camargo made an early exit due to tightness in his left groin. That was first reported by Dave O'Brien of The Athletic. Uh, Michael Franco, he uh, had a nasty spill into uh, the camera well, and he has not been diagnosed, according to Philly.com, with a shoulder contusion and neck tightness. He's day-to-day, but I imagine that the impact of that could linger for for a while. Uh, Chris Sale, he uh, returned from the DL and was the opener for the Red Sox in their playoff clinching win on Tuesday, pitched a scoreless first inning. 
Uh, so he his pitch count's going to be ramped back up. So that's a situation to watch to going into next week to see if he's actually going to be able to provide enough innings uh, to be useful for fantasy purposes. Uh, let's take a quick look here at the weather for tonight's slate. Now, the, the schedule here for Wednesday, uh, by the time you're listening to this, there'll be several games in progress, probably some games even that have been completed. So the, the slate's been split roughly evenly between day and night games. But uh, there are a bunch of night games on the East Coast where they're still having that rainy weather. Uh, so it could maybe shorten up that night slate a little bit or at least make it a little bit dicey for your uh, DFS or daily lineup purposes. Orioles hosting the A's, 22% chance of precipitation there at uh, for first pitch. Phillies hosting the Nationals, 36% chance of precipitation for first pitch. So they'll be getting the blowtorches out at Sizzle Bank Park, or maybe not. Uh, that one looks like maybe a delay because those uh, rain probabilities go down as the evening, uh, as the nighttime uh, progresses. Red Sox hosting the Jays. That one doesn't look too bad. 15% chance uh, increasing a little bit throughout the evening. And then uh, Mets, their second game uh, in the doubleheader with the Marlins. I mean, there's rain predicted for the first game. Uh, so this may really create some problems because maybe there's delays in that first game, which would then maybe delay the start of the second game. And then as of what the first pitch would be as of right now for that second game, 36% chance of precipitation, uh, although decreasing. So I'm, I'm guessing they'll probably get both of those games in, but maybe just a chance of it going really late. And I would certainly uh, be a little bit concerned for the starting pitchers in that one. So just to recap here, the four nighttime East Coast games, Orioles, A's, Phillies, Nationals, Red Sox, Blue Jays, Mets, Marlins. That's a whole bunch of teams that could be impacted by weather. So do be sure to check on those games uh, before uh, before uh, you uh, you finalize your lineups, and I unfortunately have some very bad news here. Um, so uh, we're not going to have Darius Austin on the show uh, due to an issue that we're having. So we'll try to get Darius on some other time. Uh, I guess we'll just get right into some uh, bullpen developments here, of which there were a lot on uh on tuesday night uh so first of all and again since it's been two days since i've done a show uh really the whole thing that's going on with the diamondbacks uh bullpen is is kind of a new development but on tuesday uh tori lavolo said that uh, he was going to go with a committee and then tuesday night uh that committee got got right to work uh because the uh, the diamondbacks they had a, a one-run lead when Zach Greinke uh, left the game, and uh, so he mixed and matched Lavolo, which is exactly, by the way, what he said he was going to do. He said he's not going to replace Brad Boxberger with a single closer, and he's not even looking, given that there's two and a half weeks left in the season. Lavolo's not necessarily looking for somebody to emerge and become the primary closer. Uh, he He's just basically content to play matchups, and that's precisely uh, what he did uh, on uh, on Tuesday night. Um, so, you know, in the end, you know, basically what he was uh, left with, uh, against the Rockies was, um, going into the ninth inning with Jake Diekman. Uh, but you know, not, it, probably Jake Diekman would have been out of there after two batters, no matter what, because there are a couple of lefties due up. Um, 
And then he had already used Ziggler. He had used uh, Andrew Chafin to, to face a couple of lefties after Granke departed the game back in the seventh inning. So pretty much this played out the way that you, you could have mapped it out ahead of time, knowing what Lavolo's, um relief usage patterns have tended to be the last few weeks. So there's no Archie Bradley. Uh, Deakman started off the ninth inning. He did not get any outs. So he allowed hits uh, to both of the batters that he faced. And then uh, uh, Hirano came in and uh, got all three outs. So th- I don't think that's a sign necessarily uh, that Yoshihisa Hirano is, is, you know, the closer. And again, not that, that, not that managers always tell us exactly what they're going to do, and they, they certainly can change their minds. But, you know, this, this game was really a, a clear indication that Lavulo really does plan on playing the matchups. And he's got the flexibility to do it with, you know, three good lefties in the bullpen and Deakman Chafin and uh, TJ McFarland. And then you figure Hirano and uh, Ziegler and maybe Bradley, but Bradley just hasn't been good in a while. Uh, but you figure, uh, you know, he's got something to work with, with, you know, some combination of those, uh, you know, somewhere between four and six late inning options, pretty much split between righty and lefty. So this time it was Hirano. Next time, if it's a lefty, it could be Deakman or Chap- Chafin, uh, you know, or it could be Ziegler, who's, uh, if it's a righty, or a series of righties coming up in the ninth. Uh, and Ziegler's been pretty good lately. So uh, basically, it's just a way of saying don't run out and get uh, Hirano. Uh, he's, you know, he's less, he just wants some, you know, good ratios. Cause he's been good and he's been effective, but I don't know that Hirano over the last uh, two and a half weeks is necessarily going to get more than maybe like two saves. So, uh, you know, with them being split a few ways, at the very least, uh, you know, that appears to be the situation. And then things also got very interesting with the angels and sort of, uh, actually angels, I've got to lump the angels and the Phillies together. Cause I think they're very parallel situations. Both managers and Mike Sosha and Gabe Kapler, who are very, very reluctant to name a closer. And yet both have gone long periods this season with relying on pretty much one closer. And so in the Angels' case, that's, case, that's Blake Parker. And in the Phillies' case, that's uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez. And Dominguez fell out of favor uh, close to a month ago, had not been effective. And so Kapler went back to sort of a... Uh, not sort of, definitely a committee uh, system in which Dominguez had very a very small role, if any. Uh, we'll, I'll get back to that Philly situation because that one got sort of interesting on Tuesday night. But uh, the Angels situation, Ty Buttrey, I, I had a little bit of an inkling that Buttrey might get some saves because when he first came up, well, first of all, the Angels had just traded for him uh, part of the, the Ian Kinsler deal with the Red Sox. And one of the things that, um, that Sosha said, you know, not, not too long or maybe right when, in fact, when Buttry got called up was that he was looking to try him out in a variety of roles. Now, normally when a manager says that that's got some limits on it, right? Well, you know, maybe we'll try him out in long relief, but maybe we'll, you know, show him the seventh inning once in a while. But given again, how loathe, Mike Sosha is to sticking with a, a, a primary closer. And given how nobody's really stepped up and really excelled uh, in the late innings, uh, you know, pitchers have had their ups and downs, whether it's Parker or Justin Anderson or Pedrosian. Um, 
it just seemed like the opportunity was there. That if Butchery was really good, and he has been, but if he was if he was as good as he's turned out to be, that maybe he'd get some saves. So this is exactly what's happened. Uh, so he's gotten two out of the last three saves uh, within the last five days for the Angels, uh, including on uh, Tuesday night. It was a one nothing pitchers duel, Angels and Rangers. And for the Angels, it was really an, an odd one, an odd pitcher's duel. In fact, this is a game that really did not profile to be a pitcher's duel because you had a bullpen night for the Angels with Jim Johnson as the opener, and then you had Adrian Sampson going for Texas. So uh, anybody who you know saw this coming is a one nothing game. Uh, but my hat's off to you, even though I'm not wearing a hat right now. But um, the, the Angels only allowed two singles. In this game, and both were allowed by Blake Parker, who pitched the eighth inning. Uh, but after he allowed the second hit, Butchery came in and actually got the last out of the eighth inning, uh, pitched perfect ninth inning, got a second save. So I don't think that Butchery is the guy to go to on another team. On most other teams, I'd say you know, sure looks like Butchery's a closer now, but I think we're going to see a little bit of him and a little bit of Blake Parker. And who knows, uh, you know, for the with the occasional lefty, maybe uh, the occasional Jose Alvarez save. And when I say occasional now, with just over two weeks left of the season, you know, that means you know maybe one save, <laughs> maybe two at most. Uh, so I, I think you've got a situation that was pretty stable for a really long time with Blake Parker that I think has been just been blown wide open again. Uh, but Butcher's been really good. So again, in deeper leagues where. Uh, some strikeouts with good ratios and just a couple of saves is going to be helpful to you, then you should go and pick up Ty Buttry because um, I think that's what he's going to give you. I don't know that he's going to have more than a couple of saves from here on out, but uh, I think he's going to help you enough in other ways that uh, he could be useful. And then that Philly situation, uh, that was they had a doubleheader uh, against the Nationals. They lost the the first game, and that was a game in which, uh, for the Nationals, Sean Doolittle got his first save after coming off the DL, so that was good to see. Wasn't, uh, you know, the cleanest inning for Doolittle, but uh, he he got it done. But uh, the second game, Phillies had a lead in this one. They started setting up for a save, and uh, in the eighth inning, Kapler brought Dominguez in and did all right in the uh in the eighth inning but then uh just fell apart in the ninth and had to be bailed out except he wasn't really bailed, bailed out because Luis Garcia came in and um uh, allowed one of the uh, inherited runners to score and uh so it was Garcia that got the blown save it really was Dominguez who kind of blew the game there or at least you know set the stage for the game being blown in the ninth inning and then ultimately, uh, the Nats prevailed in 10, and it was Greg Holland. Not surprisingly, with Doolittle just off the DL, uh, would have been shocked and probably not really happy as a Doolittle fantasy owner to uh, uh, have him pitch twice in one uh, one day. So it was Greg Holland who came in and got the save uh, in that second game, pitching the uh, the 10th inning. So, you know, not, not really big development there for the Nationals bullpen, but as far as the Phillies are concerned, you know, it certainly looked like Dominguez had earned his way back to, if not being the sole closer, at least getting his share of saves. 
And I don't know what's going to happen with him now because he had been good for a couple of weeks, got a shot on Tuesday night, and and frankly just blew it. So I don't know. I don't. I, I wouldn't trust him. I'll put it that way. I think he. It's a situation to watch. Uh, there's not a lot of really reliable options in that Phillies bullpen, but Tommy Hunter is one, and he's gotten a couple of saves recently. Uh, Hector Naris has been all right. I could see him maybe being in that mix still. Uh, I would frankly be surprised to see Dominguez get another save this season, but you know, if he gets uh, maybe maybe Kapler tries him again, or maybe Dominguez uh, makes a couple of good appearances in lower leverage situations and and gets yet another shot. But as of right now, I, I would not would not be counting on that. And one more situation that I'll uh, just uh, touch upon here is the Marlins. Uh, that one's been kind of a mess, and of course, the Marlins, uh, you know, they're not winning many games, they're not getting many save situations. Uh, but for the last few weeks, those save opportunities have been going exclusively to Drew Steckenrider, but he had made them adventurous. He had made them interesting, and he didn't have a save opportunity on Tuesday night against the Mets, but he did come in and, in a you know, sort of typical closer-type situation, pitching the ninth with a four-run lead and uh, gave up a two-run homer to uh, Kevin Plawecki. So, you know, no uh, loss or, or, you know, not no save or blown save for, for second rider there, but not a particularly welcome development if you've been uh, counting on second rider and you know, in a deeper format. So, uh, you know, maybe time to look to replace him as well. And as, as far as speculation goes, yeah, I would think Adam Connolly would be next in line. I'm not really excited about going after him because, He's not been that consistent himself. And I don't know how many save opportunities the Marlins really have left uh, over these uh, these final weeks of the season. So interesting, busy night as far as bullpens go. But I think the uh, the upshot is that uh, out of all those situations, that the, the one guy that I do think is worth some speculation is, uh, is Ty Buttry. All righty. So uh, let's just take uh, a quick look back. Uh, I'll be honest, I was not really prepared to talk about a lot of players because I was I had a whole bunch of stuff I wanted to talk to Darius Austin about. Uh, so I'm going to just have to put that on hold. But um, there are a few players that are worth uh, checking in on from Tuesday's games. Well, first of all, you had uh, Juan Soto with the two-homer game. Uh, both of those homers game in, came in the second game of the doubleheader with the Phillies. Uh, he had five hits combined over those two hit games uh, or over those two games. And uh, good to see from Soto because August was a little lackluster for him. And in a 15-team mixed league, I actually gave some thought to maybe benching him where I had uh, some some you know, good outfield options on my bench but thought better of it and glad I did. And it, it probably wouldn't have been a good process in terms of that decision, because even in what was sort of a down month for Soto in August, uh, 255 with three homers, I mean, it's not a disaster. And certainly that, that should not outweigh uh, the fine body of work that he turned in before that. And so now he seems to be coming back into form uh, for the month of September. Soto is now 14 for 35 and even 400 average. And he's got those two home runs. Those were his first two home runs of the month. So he busted out of a bit of a power slump. But uh, you know, thinking back to uh, a couple shows ago, and I'm trying to remember which player I was talking about uh, who was really struggling. But then I think it was Francisco Lindor, actually. And you you wouldn't 
you you wouldn't bench Francisco Lindor for having a bad month. You just wouldn't. Uh, you know, I, right now I'm thinking of Giancarlo Stanton, who typically does have these log stretches of a month or more where he doesn't do that much. Uh, you don't bench him because as soon as he comes out, he's unstoppable. And you don't know when that's going to happen. So I realize that Juan Soto is a little bit of a different case because he's not been around as long. But I, I think that he's done enough this season to, uh, you know, to earn that must-start status. So, and he's certainly making it easy now to keep him in your lineup after uh, heating up uh, last, uh, last uh, week or two. Okay, uh, three pitchers. Actually, I'm sorry, four pitchers I want to talk about because uh, I think I already mentioned Shane Bieber, and if I diff- didn't, then I should have. Uh, Shane Bieber was spectacular on Tuesday night against the Rays. And um, I, I really wish I had watched this game. I didn't, but uh, I heard from several people uh, and seeing the comments on, on Twitter that uh, this was just a, a whole new level for Bieber. It was his best start of the season. And it certainly, uh, you know, looks like, I mean, I think this is against the Rays, who have been a very good hitting team lately. And Bieber went six and two thirds, did not allow a run, only gave up three hits. Um all sing or uh, I'm sorry, uh, two singles and one double, three walks and eleven strikeouts. So a spectacular performance by Shane Bieber. Uh, so uh, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, this is where I did mention Bieber uh, earlier in the show. So he has now been moved up to face the Tigers. What a great matchup that is! Face the Tigers this Sunday. So unfortunately, that takes away. Uh, well, actually, I don't know that he. But might have made two starts next week. Uh, let's see. So yeah, they uh, Indians have the White Sox Tuesday through uh, Tuesday through Thursday next week. So there's no day off on Thursday. So Bieber probably would have made two starts next week. So instead, it looks like Kluber probably will make two starts next week. Uh, you got Bieber this Sunday. So if you're playing in a daily league, that's something to uh, to bear in mind. Uh, so yeah, it looks like. You know, with one start, I wouldn't typically get worked up, but Tigers are just such a great matchup right now that, uh, you know, I'd feel pretty good about uh, starting Shane Bieber. <laughs> starting Shane Bieber. Uh, yeah, I would. I'm sorry. I just, uh reason I laughed is because uh, I was afraid that uh, I, I was came very close to uh, saying Justin Bieber. I think it happens almost every show where I talk about Shane Bieber. All right. So, uh, few other starting pitchers to take note of here. Mike Fultonevich with a complete game against the Giants at AT&T Park. I am going to credit. I know Fultonevich has been really good lately. I'm going to give some credit here to the matchup in the venue. It's, I think at this point, the most surefire matchup and venue combination for an opposing pitcher. Uh, and Fultonevich made, made the most of it. Complete game. One run on six hits and a walk with seven strikeouts. Uh, So now over his last eight games, including uh, Tuesday night's start, uh, Fulte has a 1.84 ERA. So I realize it sounds ridiculous that I'm talking matchups with Fulton-Nevich. He has a 25% strikeout rate. 
But his swing and miss rate, and this is an, now pretty much an established old story with Fultonevich, only 8.5% over the last eight starts when he has been so good and getting a lot of strikeouts. So he's pretty much defined the odds. And I understand swinging strike isn't everything when it comes to strikeouts. Called strikes do matter somewhat. Foul rate even matters somewhat. But uh, it's the swinging strikes that correlate most strongly with strikeouts. And I did a little bit of a study on Fulton Nevich around the middle of the season. I want to say maybe back in June. Uh, and he just looked like an anomaly, anomaly in terms of how many strikeouts he was getting uh, given how many swings and misses he was getting. And yet he's continued to do it. So maybe this is just legit that Fulton is just so good at getting called strikes that he can be pretty much an elite pitcher or at least a must-start pitcher. Maybe elite is getting carried away. But a must-start pitcher in fantasy with a very, very mediocre swinging strike rate. So we'll see. I think this is what I'm going to have to dig into more during the offseason with just a couple weeks left here. Uh, It doesn't completely make sense to me, I have to admit. Uh, Miles Michaelis, I was very interested to see how he was going to do on Tuesday against the Pirates. Pirates, much much like the Tigers, are a very good matchup right now. Uh, that team is stripped stripped down. That lineup is stripped down. They're just not hitting very much. Uh, and Michaelis certainly took advantage of it. One run over seven innings on five hits and a walk with uh, seven strikeouts. And that was good to see. And the reason I was so keen on uh, seeing how Michaelis would do was that over his uh, previous three starts, he failed to register a game score of 50 or higher. So basically a subpar below average start each of the last three times out. Granted, one of those was at Coors Field, but another one was at home against the Pirates, same matchup, same venue, and another one was at Washington. So two pretty tough assignments and and what should have been an easy one. So I wasn't really sure what to make of it. I actually did bench Michaelis in one of my leagues this week, so I missed this great start from him. Uh, but I'm not sure that it's enough to to be confident that uh, he's he's really back. Uh, so Michaelis uh, will is scheduled to make his next start at Atlanta next Monday. Ah, that's going to be tough. That's going to be a tough, tough call. Uh, you know, for a two-start week, I think I probably would go with him. But for that one start, I I, I might want to play the wait-and-see game with, uh, with Miles Michaelis. And then last pitcher I want to talk about, is Marco Gonzalez, first start coming off the DL. He was uh, activated on Tuesday. Pretty good start. Doesn't look all that impressive just from looking at the line. Uh, One run over five innings, but only two strikeouts, four hits and no walks. Uh, But he did get, he did throw only 66 pitches. He was on a pitch count. So this could have been one of those patented Marco Gonzalez starts uh, if he, didn't have the constraint of a, of a pitch count, you know, maybe where it's it's one run in seven innings uh, where it really, uh, you know, helps you with the quality start and not a lot of base runners. Uh, and in those 66 pitches, he did have eight swings and misses. So I think it was a better start than the line would seem to indicate. Um, so very, very encouraging. Uh, fortunately, uh, did not get the win. Uh, would have been a... a well, it was a no decision for Michaelis, but the Mariners actually lost to the Padres uh, because Edwin Diaz gave up a run, gave up three hits. <laughs> Edwin Diaz, he's human. He is actually human. Uh, so, but nonetheless, 
I think pretty encouraging start for uh, for Michaelis. And you know, as far as weekly leagues are concerned, you get the benefit of seeing a second start from Gonzalez. Uh, he's scheduled to go on Saturday uh, against the Angels in Anaheim. So uh, at least you get that benefit. But I'm feeling pretty good about Gonzalez just based on uh, on this one start. So anyways, I do apologize for a little bit of a shorter show than uh, what I uh, what I had planned on here. And uh, so my apologies to you. My apologies also to Darius Austin for not uh, getting him on uh, the show today. But uh, in any event, I hope that you still found this helpful. And I will be back on Friday as we will take a look ahead to the season's penultimate week. I love to use that word. So good luck to you the next couple of days. I will see you here back here on Friday. Have a good one, everybody, and take care.